The domain name market has fluctuations like any other market, and knowing that pulse can impact your investment decisions. Which categories are up, which are down, and what are opportunities that you should be considering? Stay tuned for the latest insights from the experts. Serious about online trading? Secure your funds, keep your merchandise safe, and use a company that keeps the buyer and seller protected the whole way through. That's escrow.com. Payments you can trust. Finally, if you're a domain name investor, don't you have unique legal needs that require domain name technical know-how and industry experience? That's why you need Stephen Lieberman of Greenberg and Lieberman or Jason Schaefer of Esquire.com. Go search for Jason Schaefer or Stephen Lieberman on Domain Sherpa, watch their interviews, and you can see for yourself that they can clearly explain issues, can help you with buy-sell agreements, deal with website content issues and UDRP actions, and even help you write your website terms and conditions. Stephen Lieberman and Jason Schaefer are the lawyers to call for internet legal issues. See for yourself at Esquire.com or APlegal.com. Hey, Sherpa Network. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Tess Diaz, and I'm the executive producer of DomainSherpa.com, the website where you can learn how to become a successful domain name investor or entrepreneur directly from the experts. Today, I'm joined by two experts in the domain name industry who are going to walk us through their industry insights for Q1 2018 and looking forward for Q2. I'm pleased to welcome Chris Zyker, Senior Broker for Media Options, and Drew Rosner, Founder and CEO of MediaOptions.com, a world leader in outbound domain brokerage and stealth domain acquisitions. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks, Tess. Excited to be on. Chris, we're delighted to have you. Your first time on Sherpa, <laughs> but it's been a long time coming. Well, besides when you were introduced to Sherpa. If, uh, in the the intro. Right. Yeah. The gang's back together. Yeah, this is, this is a good gang. Very um, excited. Good. Well, congrats for coming on. Um, I want to start the show just with a disclaimer that this interview is not and should not be regarded as investment advice or as a recommendation regarding any particular domain asset class or investing course of action. Um, all right. I, I know uh, I put that on the page on Domain Sherpa, but if you're downloading this on your iPod and listening, just want to make that clear. Um, so stay in the domain market. We're going to review Q1 2018. Let's do some hindsight first before we look at Q2. Uh, what was hot? What was not? Chris, you want to start? Oh, um, I'll let Drew start. Let's, let's let Drew, I'll, I'll tag on to that. <laughs> okay. Drew's so, always uh, warmed up. I know, I know. <laughs> so uh, I guess I'm going to back up a little bit, a little bit before Q1 just to just sort of make note of the fact that uh, traditionally, November and December, late November, mid-December um, have been the best, let's say, 60 days um, of our year, almost without exception. This year, November and December were really, really slow um, relative to the rest of the year and relative to prior uh, sort of fourth quarter endings. And, um, you know, it gave me a bit of pause coming into the new year about what was, what was coming, right? And I think, you know, in hindsight now, I think that a lot of that um, slowness was uh, a lot of people sort of with their foot on the brake, waiting to see what was gonna happen with the Trump tax cuts. I think that there were a lot of, there was a lot of uncertainty in markets. There was a lot of uncertainty in general. 
um, North Korea. You had a lot of you had a lot of uh, uh, hot buttons um, that people weren't certain about, and uncertainty is uh, makes decision making very difficult. And in general, large domain purchases are difficult decisions for executives to make. In part because many executives don't understand uh, the value proposition, uh, which is what we try to do. Um, and so, as we came into January and those tax cuts passed, and it became very evident that there was going to be a lot of money flowing into the economy for a, a vary of reasons. Uh, in addition to sort of the crypto market popping off uh, with twenty thousand dollar Bitcoin towards the end of December. Um, it heated up tremendously. So I would say starting in the second week of January, uh, the market really started heating up. We started uh, our pipeline filled up. And by the end of January, we had already closed. Uh, it, it was a, a phenomenal month uh, in general. And then in February, uh, you know, we came into the month of February with, with a few hot deals already in the, in the, in the pipeline. Uh, we managed to close those out. February turned out to be the greatest month in media options, 10-year history. Uh, congrats to everybody here involved. Uh, that was an eight-figure month. Uh, just absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I wish that we could talk about a lot of those sales. Um, there were two, let's say, there were two outliers. Uh, one of them being a oneword.com, the other one being a two-letter.com. Um, there were, and it's, it's, it's hard to even say outliers. Those sales were uh, tremendously large. They would be ranked in some of the top 10 sales ever in history, both of them. Um, but we had a number, I think we had something like, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even want to throw numbers out, but it was, we had quite a large number of seven figure transactions and mid to high six figure transactions and a slew of, of lower six figure transactions. It was really January and February, unbelievable months. Uh, March thus far, uh, we're, we're, we're into the middle of March now, and uh, the market is lo looking, showing no signs of slowing down. Um, and I guess if I'm going to address specifically what was hot and what was not, uh, as you questioned, <laughs> then I would say twoletter.coms are on fire. Um, we are sort of heading back to, uh, 2000, we're not at, we're not at 2015 levels. Um, but the China market is heating up the demand for two letter.coms both in China as well as specifically the crypto industry, but end user interest in, in two letters certainly has peaked from last year where we were finding it very hard to convert two letter.coms, uh, even very good two letter.coms. Uh, you know, in that high six-figure, seven-figure range, um, that wall has seemingly, you know, softened uh, mm -hmm. this year. So two letters for sure. And, and again, I mean, I don't think this is anything new, but the one word dot-coms are becoming more and more scarce. Prices mm -hmm. at both wholesale and end-user levels are rising. I think that's evident in, uh, in the reported sales. And my guess is that only 10% of actual aftermarket transactions are even being reported, particularly the large transactions that are happening with end users. Um, 10%, that's really significant. So you think 90% of the end user domain acquisitions or sales are, are 
permanently forever private and that no one knows about them. So all our Yeah, comps, I mean, somehow this stuff seems to come out once in a while, uh, eventually, but, but for the most part, yeah. I mean, in the short term, in the midterm, you know, I, I really don't think, uh, I think that 90% of sales go unreported. I, really yeah, I, I, I jump in there. I mean, I, I talk to a lot of owners and, and just businesses and they tell me stores of domains they've either bought or sold and they're not, they're not listed on there. So nope. man, I, I would, I would definitely, uh, back that up. Hey, you know, Drew, one of the, I mean, the way I look at the market is a little differently, right? So been in, the, in domaining for three years, I break it down into the three areas. So there's the social aspect of it, the economical, then, then the tech technology, uh, technological aspect of it. So yep. from social, it's like more brands, they're understanding just the power of, of how domains impact their brand. I think that that in general ha has risen since I started three years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, noticeable difference. When I talk to, talk to owners and I'm doing outbound outreach, also on, on the acquisition side, I mean, they're just understanding that, hey, this is like my global positioning. It's my industry positioning. Like, it's very important. Yep. that we own the positioning of the brand. So I think that's one trend that I'm seeing is continuing to rise. The other one is the, is the economical, right? So how much will they pay for it? And so it kind of coupled together in a sense, right? Uh, that they understand it and now investors are willing to, to give them the money to pay for that or they have the yep. money to pay for it or they're getting out and they're finding the money to pay for it. So you have, the, if you look at the supply and demand and, and you know, I love that, you know, the supply and demand model, but, you see that demand is in increasing as, as supply the, is decreasing. Yeah. As brand, as, as they understand that, that it impacts the branding. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, and then from the tech, the, the tech side of it is supplies decreasing. Like for one, yeah. well, you know, for good quality com domain names, it's amazing yeah. to me how many are just not available. Like yep. you try to go after them and I mean, they're locked in corporate America and they'll just never sell them. And, and part yeah. of that is that, Hey, listen, there's a better risk to selling that to the business than there is reward, right? I mean, so, yeah. so you know, I talk about the different owners. You have the… the uh, Let, let's stop for one second on that point because that, that's a really important point. The, I always come back to this, which, which some people don't disagree with. Some people disagree with me, but I, I don't <laughs> feel like it's something that's debatable. I think it's a fact. You're either a buyer or you're a seller, right? If somebody right. engages you, somebody engages you, to sell something that you own and they make a bona fide offer and put that offer on the table, you have two options. It's binary. You can either say yes or you can say right. no. There is now, let's say, you know, XYZ widget on the table and there's a certain amount of money on the table and one of you is going to walk away with the, with the widget and one of you is going to walk away with the money and there is no other outcome. Somebody's going to walk away with the money. Somebody's going to walk away with the widget. Right. If there's a bona fide offer on the table, even if you had no intention of selling coming into that conversation, there's a bona fide offer on the table and you have a decision to make. Whether you want it or not, you have, you're going to walk away with what you've got or the money. One of you right, is right. going to walk away with one, one's going to walk away with the other. So now, when you say to me that, um, uh, uh, what, 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 what did you, you say before? It was well, saying the risk. I mean, that, like the risk, when you look at the exactly, different risk, exactly. the okay. risk is, so, is a big factor. That's something that I think very few people discuss. When, a, when, a, when I approach a business and they say, no, we're not going to sell that domain, I say, why aren't you going to sell it? It's a good offer on the table, even if I'm not trying to, you know, I'm being right, right. You know, in earnest. Like this, this is a legit offer. Why would you say no? 
And I had a conversation yesterday uh, trying to do an acquisition of a very good domain, a four-letter word. Uh, it's being used by a business, but it's being very underutilized. It's not a very productive asset, but it's a great domain. And the risk to them, the reason they said no to my offer, even though it was a very mid-six-figure offer, well at the top end of the value range of this domain name. And the reason they said no was that they said, well, look, we own several of these. This isn't a domainer. This is a company, but they previously right. had a domain strategy where they bought the dominant domains in their market. It was a niche market. They bought very good domains. They spent a lot of money, six and even seven figures on each of these names. And they said, well, if I, I agree with you, the money you're offering me for this domain is a fair offer. But if I agree to sell you this domain name for that price, I've now pegged the value of my other assets at that price in the future. Because the buyer was venture-backed, and they mm -hmm. know that, you know, and it's a big, big Silicon Valley venture-backed company. And so if they share, you know, if, if the next one of their portfolio companies wants to buy a domain from them, or some other VC who they've spoken to, and they all speak, um, you know, wants to buy a domain from them. Now that, that, that they've already pre-framed what the value of that, of, of these other names are. Yeah, and that was yeah. the risk. That they right. had. And I, I never looked at it that way, but it was a very good argument. And I, I, I can't say he's entirely wrong. I think he's being right, overly right. conservative, but he can't, he's not entirely wrong. Now, what I want to come back to on that though is, is how does that translate into what is the actual value of these names? What are the factors that not everybody is taking into consideration to really realize what is the enterprise value? What is the right, true right. market value of these yeah. domain names? Because it's not just, oh, well, Estebot says this, or it's got this much search, or it's got that much cost per click, or this much competition. You know, it's bigger than that. These are foundational assets to a brand. And the downside risk is at least equal to the upside value. Right, it right. has to be factored into the value. So yeah. whatever value you thought the domain had, you need to then add the risk potential, the risk, the, the opportunity cost, yeah. 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 as well as the downside risk of actually selling that name, right? So there's, there's a lot of factors that aren't being put into the market, which is why I continue to believe that these really premium domains, and I wanna absolutely repeat that we're really only discussing here the premium. top 2% yeah. of all domain names that come to market in the aftermarket, um, they're undervalued. They're way undervalued, maybe by a multiple of 10. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just to pick about that, Andrew, so there's the risk there, but there's also misplaced risk, right? It's like, you know, some of the portfolios they have, these one word domains, I mean, they're, listen, it's not going to ever come back and hurt that company. Um, yes. Well, this is the game that you play. Well, that's, but I think, that's, that's different. I mean, I think in general, that's that supply and demand model, right? So you're seeing that, that I mean, you're, you have a phenomenal point. I mean, I, I, I did a, a, a podcast on Kraken, okay? Now, hey, disagree with me, Drew, okay, if you don't agree, but okay, so there was Kraken Rum. Did you hear this one? No. I okay, I, I had it on LinkedIn, but there's Kraken Rum. Well, probably probably Kraken, when I was on vacation. Okay, Kraken Rum, and then there's Kraken Crypto Exchange, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, obviously crypto's big, so... The when you look at it, Kraken Rum started two years before the crack the Kraken crypto exchange. And they put like yeah. 13 million dollars into 
advertising back then, okay? They did not own the dot-com. And in the liquor business, your brand is all you have. Because yeah, the, yeah, so like- and, What's inside the bottle is very, very secondary to your branding. <laughs> I know that because I just bought some tequila. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what do I buy? I ended up buying two bottles. Anyways, okay, okay so uh, back to the, so cracking crypto exchange, right? So they put 13 million, like, Listen, I didn't do like deep three hour research, but this is just, you know, looking at the, this example, they put $13 million in advertising. They had a head start on crypto, the crypto exchange. What I don't know is if they have the opportunity to buy it. I don't know. Okay. It looks like maybe they did. Uh, maybe someone can put some comments in the, in the section below. I don't know, but they missed the opportunity. And now when you go on, you search Kraken, Kraken owns the positioning for anything yeah. Kraken. So your point is like, okay, is that $13 million? It, what's the residual effect today? Yeah. It should have been something, right, Drew? But like oh, today, massive. Like, so like that's that, how that's that more, risk comes how in. How much more effectively would, that, would those ad, ad dollars have been spent? How much more efficient would the branding be if they owned Kraken.com? Like, and I think it's important um, that we're, we're talking about, you know, Drew, you said they're like foundational assets for your business. I would call that, I mean, I'm not a, an attorney and I know I'm really looking forward to having some on the show, um, but I would call that intellectual property um, and also, you know, a, a brand assets. And so domain names really converge, I think, between those two in a unique way. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and sometimes who shares which responsibility, an attorney or a marketing expert do you encounter that when you're selling domains? Do you see a difference in those two entities working together or in those two entities understanding the value of domain names? Yeah, I mean, definitely there's a, those two departments, whether it's marketing or, or legal, take different approaches to domain negotiations, to um, how they assign a value to these domains uh, and their approach to acquisitions or sales in general. Um, you know, they're more focused on the legal side is more focused on risk. Um, you know, they're more worried about downside risk than they are about upside potential. Mm -hmm. And marketing is, you know, looking for, you know, marketing is mostly concerned with their budget, right? That's the way, <laughs> that's the way they're incentive. That's the way that corporate America, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the way that, that, yeah. that movie. decisions, decisions are made based on incentive. Right, right. And unfortunately, very few people in marketing are incentive to buy a domain name because that comes straight out of their own budget, which now they can't use to go out and monetize that asset they've just acquired. Um, so, which, yeah, which is very, why you can't look at it as a marketing expense. I mean, it has to be, to your point, it's like when, when, yeah. when companies look at this as a marketing expense, they don't buy it, right? Because that world, that no, frame, it, it, it says, hey, it's an expense. And the test point, like this is yeah, a certain gas that impacts the foundation of your brand. But going back, I'll make one more point here on Kraken. And that's that the most, to me, the most, and so, I mean, we're talking about the state of the domain market, right? And yep. so you look, you're looking at these forces that are out there that are moving it along, right? The social, the economical, the technological, right? And that comes back to price and supply and demand. Global positioning to me is the most, is the most um, underappreciated role of a domain name. And mm -hmm. you don't realize it to a brand until it's too late. Yeah. Until you lost right. that. 
forever. And then it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. We made a big mistake. Yeah. But they go like, so that, that, I mean, anyways. It's first come, can... first serve. Yeah. First come, yeah. first serve. That, I mean, that's, that's what it is. With these super premium domains, it's first come, first serve. And unfortunately, once they're gone, they're gone. So, Drew, um, on that note, earlier you were saying that you saw a real big uptick in, um, you know, OneWord.com and um, ShortLetter.com acquisitions. Um, and I just wanted to hear from you. Did you see those as um, an uptick in exclusively selling to end users, in wholesale, in the whole market overall? Um, what, what's the breakdown and what's the breakdown between outbound sales and um, inbound acquisition requests from corporations? Can you give us a little more insight into, into that kind of breakdown? So um, on the two letter side, it's been pretty much exclusively outbound. And I think I want to say that we've sold eight two letter.coms in the last 60 or maybe 90 days. Um, and that's all been through outbound. Um, and you would say they're to like end users? Uh, so a few of them, I would say uh, half of them were sold to end users. Uh, one, maybe two were sold to, two, two were sold to China, to uh, presumably uh, investors. And then the others were sold presumably to investors, but at a price that was sort of in between what I would expect full retail price to be and a well above what the sort of wholesale market was uh, paying. And those were sold into, uh, to, to crypto people, people that, you know, have been a long time in the crypto space, have owned Bitcoin for a really long time. They've seen some massive appreciation on their holdings and they're looking to maybe diversify a little bit into some other digital assets. Oh, and interesting. Um, you know, this is, this is the reason I've been saying that, Sort of, you know, crypto and domainians are a match made in heaven. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, they, they, they just, uh, they marry beautifully. And um, people in crypto understand domains and, 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 you know, people at the higher end of the domain market understand crypto. Um, mm -hmm. They're digital assets. They can be transferred anywhere on earth. Uh, they, you know. Great point. It's, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I just did some quick math. Um, there are only 686, you know, two letter dot coms in existence, right? There are only yeah. so many combinations, A, 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 B, A, C, right? So you're saying you sold eight in the last 60 days. That's, you know, 1.17% of all two letter dot coms sold in the last 60 days just through you. That's Yeah, that's like I said, the two letter market's hot. And, and, and I, know, I know several other brokers who have also closed a number of transactions on two letter dot coms. Yeah, that's, that's a hot. big number. It's, it's looking similar to where, the way I saw it, you know, in, in uh, let's say, earlier 2015 as the market was really heating up. But, you know. but I, mean, I mean, to me, Drew, it comes back to that more companies understanding branding, right? I mean, they're just, they're getting it. They're using it as yep. brand. Um, I forget the, uh, what is it? What was the, the crypto exchange that bought the, the Z? ZQ uh, or Z, yeah. Ah. Uh, Okay, it's on the top of my head. Anyways, they're, they're understanding that it's brands and that's, that, um, yeah. So, I mean, to me, I see like industries go through trends and phases. Like right now, it's like they're, they're, they're repositioning themselves with, with uh, and their brands. So, my, I think before, 
you know, it was anything bit and coin, but I think now you look at some of the sales and they're, they're, they're moving past that a little bit into different, like one words, right? Wouldn't you say, Drew? I mean, they're expanding a little bit. I'm sorry, in, specifically in the Bitcoin space, but mm. more branding and the power yeah. of a quality, these are quality premium domains we're talking about. Super quality, super high end. Yeah. I mean, I think it comes back to, uh, I, I think maybe, did you write the article, Chris? I, I thought I thought maybe you wrote I don't know but it was about you know talking about how this is the year when brands are really waking up to take control of their brand and social media everything's about you know handing off your brand to a third party right, and right. A, a trusted third party and and putting your data on a, on on social media on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and putting you know letting your customer interactions happen over social media you don't own that customer. You don't own that customer's data. You don't right, own your transactional right. information. You don't own the relationship. You don't own anything. And they can shut off the tap whenever they feel like for any reason whatsoever. Yep. They don't like who you are. They don't like your CEO. They don't like your founder. They don't like the messaging you're sending. They don't like the way you communicate with your customers. For whatever reason they want, they can shut off the tap and your business is now at risk. And yeah, yeah. to me, for any corporate executive to consciously put the power and the value of their brand into a third party hands that they have absolutely no control over is negligent. That yeah. is absolutely, I mean, it's just ignorant. I agree. It's absolutely negligent. <laughs> so this is the year that the people are waking up to that Yeah, yeah. because of the hacks, because of the horror stories of Facebook suddenly shutting off your account. You know, because of, 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 of everything that we're hearing in the news, fake news, people being, you know, having these fake news ads published alongside your story, your content on social media, having no control over the advertisers that are being, you know, placed on the advertising, the, different, the additional content, you know, the exit links, all of that. You have no control over it because you're on a third-party platform. And so domain names play a central role. It is the first yeah most important step to taking back control of your brand you yeah. need to have a foundation on which to build that empire and it, and you want to build it on as solid a foundation as you possibly can um, otherwise you're gonna regret it in the future yeah and I mean, it, it's it's global positioning industry positioning exactly. it's, it's your branding it's your marketing how people talk about you how employees talk about you it's email security it's it does light a pivot I mean these are all these are all I mean like when we talk to startups it's 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 what they're thinking about when they come to invest in a premium domain name. Mm -hmm. And right. Chris, you had mentioned as your third point was about, you know, tech changes. And I think tech changes beyond just the fact that there is a decline in the availability of the dot coms in particular, but the premium domains that um, end users are looking for. There are also right. this awareness is growing that is impacting and also as technology is making it easier for end users to take control of their own data um right, right. That yeah. well, yep the other side of that tech equation is also just uh demand right so it's how many new companies are being created through crypto mm -hmm. how many yeah, new right, projects, right. Right. how many new projects are being created because of blockchain technologies, projects within companies that already exist 
but those projects need a name. Those projects need a home. Right. They need a domain name. Uh, how many companies are being created through cannabis? How many companies? You know, so, so on the tech side of this is also the creation of all these new companies because of tech innovation that just increases demand. I mean, all of these new companies, thousands, tens of thousands of new companies and new projects, yeah, all right. need a domain name. And they're all competing for the same. Yeah. You know, well, that's a perfect segue into um, the Asian markets in particular, because in India and Asia, as technology is becoming available, the economy is changing their available spend um, monthly, you know, um, um, the the changes in those hugely populated areas are also affecting you know global markets in every aspect but but um particularly with domain names you were talking about the chinese market drew um that it was picking back up but you also said something earlier about the, the type of user um so let's talk about um the chinese market in particular but any asian indian markets whatever you you want there are these two exploding markets and not only what they're buying but who is buying and how that's changed in the last couple of years? Um, all right. So what, uh, um, when you say who, I mean, in, in China, China is a very unique market. Um, you know, the, the, the pricing and the way that people acquire domain names, there's not a lot of differentiation between, unlike in the West, there's not a lot of differentiation between an end user and an investor. The prices paid are fairly similar. Um, the guys who are willing to buy a domain and then flip it, particularly at the high end, are generally working on a smaller margin than I generally would, right? So if they buy a two-letter.com for $850,000, they would be perfectly happy to turn around and sell that to an end user for $900,000 or $900,000. Whereas in the West, we're traditionally you know, looking for, let's say, two, three, four, five X, 10 X returns, not 10 X on these higher level names, but um, you know, people are looking for a larger margin. So they're, they're paying less in general because of they want a higher margin and they're holding out for higher prices. So in the West. Yeah. And okay. so in China, um, they're paying higher wholesale prices. China tends to lead the market in, in terms of the wholesale. So on the liquid names, on two letters, three letters, four letters. Did they lead the market in terms of volume or exclusively in terms of price? Both. I mean, one leads the other, right? If you're, if you're leading the market in price, volume's gonna follow you, right? The volume's gonna go to one price. <laughs> so- um, Just yeah. checking. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but in, in so, even though most domain sales, the way, the way most sales happen, even to an end user in China, is that they go to an investor, and that investor had a friendship, a relationship, some kind of connection. Somebody, somebody told somebody that they wanted to get a domain name, and the investor went out, bought it, and then flipped it for 50, 100 grand, sometimes 10 grand, uh, to this end user. And so um, very, very few sales happen to Chinese companies unless it's a direct solicitation to that company. Really? Um, so the key to selling to Asia in, in, or China in general is having a relationship with an investor who has a relationship or knowing how to connect to a decision maker at a corporation. 
Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, I mean, really no different than in the West. It's just that uh, when you're talking about outbound sales, it's really no different than in the West. Um, although oftentimes, suddenly this mysterious ghost investor will show up after you've solicited a company to sell them a domain and they don't respond and then, you know, somebody with a QQ.com <laughs> email address suddenly emails out of the blue and wants to buy the domain. Um, right, right. Um, yeah, they take no, their that, privacy that, that, very seriously, right? Uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So um, I, I forget what the, the other part of the question was. Um, just so you feel like the buyers, the Asian buyers are as educated as before. There's not a difference in their level of what they're looking for. The pricing is the same. It's just coming. I, I think that there's more and more Chinese companies, Chinese investors, uh, successful Chinese entrepreneurs. There's a lot of very wealthy, young entrepreneurs in China. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys that have made a lot of money on, on tech exits, on cryptocurrency, on real estate. Um, and they're sitting on a lot of money and they are getting increasingly more comfortable uh, buying domain names as an asset class. Huh. And so, um, you know, and I think we're starting to see a little bit of that in the West as well. I, I, we're starting to see some interest from, you know, some of the, the sort of Silicon Valley founders and VC guys that have made a shit ton of money and, you know, some domain pops into their head that they're like, oh, that'd be a cool domain to own. And they're spending, you know, good money certainly more than an investor would, uh, a domain investor would, and less than, you know, the perfect end user might. Mm -hmm. But somewhere in that happy medium, uh, you know, we're seeing some of these guys uh, from all around the world uh, starting to sort of buy domain names with a little bit more of a speculative nature, you know, looking at it as an investment, uh, you know, into an asset. Nice, okay. Well, something else that you both have mentioned on a little bit, um, our startups or VC backed startups. Um, how are you seeing um, venture capitalists and investors in startups? How are you seeing them, their perception of domain names as it matures seems to be affecting the volume of startups that are able to invest their capital in domain names instead of in 13 million and something that fizzles. I mean, to, to me, it's, it's that education, their understanding, it comes back to those three factors again, right? So I mean, they're understanding that, hey, their storefront is their, their domain name, right? It's no longer brick and mortar. I mean, think of the companies you interact with. There's no store. Like, you can't go down the road and, like, go in, right? Yeah. You can't return it unless you ship it back. Uh, so, I mean, they're understanding that, hey, you know, it, it's more important. And it's interesting. So three years, I don't know, is it three or three and a half years now? that from when I started to now, I come across more people that, that get, oh, hey, my last startup, I spent, you know, we bought this name for this amount. And we bought this, this name, you know, for this. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm coming across more people that understand the domain market, understand their assets, and understand the values of them. Now, it doesn't mean that there's not a lot of people out there that don't. Another conversation, another day. So, um, you think serial investors who've had proven success are evangelizing the rest yeah. of, I mean, I know we have a lot of connections in Silicon Valley and um, other startup ecosystems where we're, I, there's, there's an upward trend there is, is just what I'm looking for maybe some details on. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I can't have numbers, but I mean, definitely from when I started to today, I have, I mean, it's like 
three, four, you know, five fold, right? I mean, the amount of people that I talk to that get it, that understand it. Yeah. And, that's a big you know, difference. Like, Chris, it's been three years, I mean, three months. That's a, that's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Go, yeah. Now what I three to five acts. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like significant, like significant, at least once, I mean, like a couple of times a week, you're talking to someone that said, Oh yeah, you know, I bought it or I was in that transaction for this amount. But I think the, the, the one point, like I actually have two points to us and you decide we push this off to later. Okay. But one point is this, is that, it's extremely rare to have the opportunity to control your brand. And if you have that opportunity, like, like you got to take it. I think more comes to understanding that. But the flip to that is this is, is pricing, right? So when you talk about the dynamics of the market, are you overpricing your domain by two, three X that someone goes somewhere else? And I think yeah. that's, that's a trend. Like, you know, we talk a lot about in this community with pricing and people get pumped up and like, I want six, I mean, I have a guy like, I want $6 million. On an email, I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah. got it, man. You know, like, so it's it's this. I mean, there has to be. You know, this is an investment platform, the wholesale platform, but there has to be a understanding of what your domain is worth, and that there is a supply and demand model. I mean, there's, you know, Drew. I mean, you're the expert here, but I mean, there's a supply and demand model where domains become liquid, and once you get away from that, you overprice them. Even though the market's moving this direction, you're not going to sell it. I mean, yeah, we're just not going to sell it. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, I, I mean, I'm up here and I'm, I'm, you know, preaching that I think domains are undervalued and that's all well and good. Um, and I truly do believe that, but the market doesn't, the market has a price. The buyers, you know, have a, a, a value in their mind. We can do our job to convey what we believe the value might be to a buyer uh, or to a seller uh, as the case may be. Um, but ultimately, there's a price at which these things transact, or, right. or, or better, there's a range at which these things transact, and we can only do our job, and the other side can only do their, you know, their part, but th there's only a discussion to be had within that range, and you get outside of that range, and you know, a transaction doesn't happen. Um, so yeah, under, really, at the end of it, really, the only reason I'm sitting in the chair here today, the <laughs> absolute only reason, is that I just pounded my head against that wall, against my desk, until I understood domain value, until I had a model that I could get my arms around, a model that made sense in my own head to analyze any and all domain names and look at it and say, this is the range at which this domain name might transact, and this is why. And until I, I had that model, until I had an understanding of it, um, you know, really, I was, it was just a, a blindfolded monkey shooting, throwing darts. Right. You know? Right. It's Did really you all know? it is, is. You're listening to, you're listening to <laughs> other people tell you what they think and then that's it. You, <laughs> you know, and did you find that you formulated that drew? I'm, um, through trial and error through getting feedback from corporate buyers um, I mean, I know the Rosner equation really. Um, all of that played a role, right? I mean, it was my peers, well, listen, watching the other brokers and watching, really, you know, a lot of it is watching where did domains transact? Where, where, did, domain, where did sales happen? You know, mm -hmm. both publicly, uh, uh, you know, mentioned sale, published sales, as well as, you know, just speaking to other brokers and investors and, and portfolio owners and clients about names that they sold that may not have been publicly sold. And, just really trying to keep your finger on the pulse of the market and seeing where things trade. 
uh, back in the day, you know, uh, uh, being on domain uh, DN form every day and seeing what names were transacting, what names were being put out, understanding that, you know, what the wholesale market is, is very important to understanding retail value. Um, you know, all of these things played right. a role. And where I think I really sort of uh, sharpened my knife was with, um, I, and I got lucky, I'm not sure that this is repeatable today, but at, at, at a time, this was, let's say, 2009, 2010, 11, 12, 13, and then it started tapering off after that. Those were the years when exact match domains were really the, 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 the bee's knees. It was really the only thing that mattered. If you wanted to rank in Google, you wanted the best mm-hmm. exact match domain you could. And, um, and, and values started increasing exponentially. And I was right at the center of that, uh, through the opportunity of having a couple of, you know, the top SEO guys as clients of ours and watching the names that they were going after and the money they were willing to pay and getting an understanding of why they were willing to pay what they were willing to pay. Even if my job was to get it for less than that, understanding why they set a certain budget for a certain name. Um, and and doing that over and over repetition over years and, and tens of millions of dollars in domain acquisitions, um, seeing really, that was really what, what sharpened my knife. That was really what gave me absolute confidence that my methodology, that the way that I was looking at this and evaluating a name was it had, it had, um, it had a foundation. And I'm sure you've been able to apply that the other way now that you understand their insights and motivations. It helps you to turn someone into a seller who doesn't, you know, initially want to sell or the other way to explain in an acquisition what, what value it would bring to them and to know what, what, um, walls they're up against with their budgeting. Cause they've explained that to you year over year over year. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you see any any shifts as we're you know looking forward to Q two? You see any shifts in trends or just general increases? What um what do you think is going to be um hot and not in uh, Q two? Uh, Chris, you want to touch on that, or you want me to pick it up? What do you want to do? No, I mean, I mean, to me, I just want to make one more point. That last thing that that these are assets. I think as you said, it's a strategic asset, and so with that, there's a return on investment, right? That, that a company will be willing to pay for. And if you go to our blog, there's a, a, the article on domain valuations and we break it out like there's like five different types of businesses, right? So it, it's, but it, it's an asset that they're willing to pay. On the flip side, if you're an owner of a domain name, I mean, it's an asset. Like, think about it like that. Like, where can you deploy this, this money to get a better return on investment? And that's what you yep. think about because I've seen a lot of people who, listen, they have great offers and then they pass on it. And it's like, you know, you could have taken that, either paid down your bet, invested in Bitcoin, right? I mean, I, I mean a million different things proper. I mean, so think of it as an asset where you can take that money, put it somewhere else, get the highest return. And I often say, listen, you know, sometimes people, they pass the offer and, um, you know, we, they come back and say, well, hey, I had an offer at this. And it's like, I'm sorry, that was probably the perfect buyer. Like, you're just never going to That was probably the best offer you're ever going to have. Yep. Yeah. So there is a perfect buyer. Some issues have, I'm going to tie it back here. Okay. It's, us, it's coming. So some industries have multiple perfect buyers. <laughs> yeah. Some have one, you know? Yeah. So I mean, yeah. like some vertical subdomains have more than one perfect buyer, right? Yep. The better your quality of your domain name, the, the more perfect buyers it'll have. The, yep. the farther you get away from that, 
you're limiting the perfect buyer and what they'll pay. So like you have to like, you have to gauge that. Okay. Well, what's the offer? Where is it at? Do I, you know, where, where's my domain the sector? So to me, I see, you know, as far as I think the question I like talk too much, but was the, the segments that are picking up, right? Was that the question does? Yeah. 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 Trend, what trend, what trends okay. be coming up? So, I mean, to me, I, I still see that crypto will be big. I mean, I think that it's going to move from like coin bit, you know, bit related domains to more like one word premium domains. Yeah. So, so you're saying and, crypto is moving from exact match to yeah. Yes. I think that's going to be the next progression. And it's just a simple of like, I think that what we're seeing is we're seeing the industry consolidate. People are positioning themselves for the next leg up. Yep. And that's what is happening right now. They've made money. They've proven themselves. They have investors behind them. And now it's like, okay, right. How do we, how do we, in the mix that we're in today, how do we position ourselves to own this on the next leg up, right? And if your domain is too close, too similar to what, like, in, in the market, like, you lost, right? So, I mean, yeah. so that's a big trend I see. So, crypto will be big. But I want to preface that. It's, it's going to be cryptos. I mean, just, those will still be good but it's going to transition over to that, the other premium. I see that startups are going to continue to, to value premium domain names, go after their, 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 their exact match brand. And so what you have is beautiful, right? Because you have this mix coming together and everyone's like the same word can be used in both, right? Like Kraken or like Nitro or, you know, whatever, right? So, I mean, you're like the, this, this, the combination of the, the market dynamics coming together is going to fuel fuel it going forward. So, but but those specific markets I see continuing to to increase. Okay, tell me that your blog on Kraken had the title "Kraken Should Have Got Kraken." <laughs> That's a good one. Maybe I'll change it. Maybe I'll do another one. I like it. It's kind of catchy. Yeah. I, I've been thinking that every time you mention it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But so they're moving into the brandable space. I think because people now recognize it now. I think a lot of people are buying like domains with crypto in them. I think you're really talking about premium domains with. with In fact, I've had one CMO of one of the top crypto exchanges say that to me. She's like, ah, you know, it's, it's like coin that's too limiting. Okay. So Uh you take that, take that kind of insight there. That's a big deal. That's That's a big conversation. They'll be extremely valuable still. But I see some of the industry is going to be evolving into just premium brands in general. Thanks, Chris. All right. How about you, Drew? Any, any last thoughts for Q2? What's hot? Um, I mean, like Chris, I mean, crypto is the fastest growing industry on earth right now. It's just, you know, not to be redundant, but it's just, you know, look, there are thousands of new jobs, thousands of new projects, thousands of new companies being created. And, uh, and they're all, you know, bumping shoulders and elbows trying to, trying to make space for their brand. And, and right. that's only going to be good for domain names. Um, I, it seems, you know, we're, 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 there's a lot of sort of political hot buttons happening right now. There's a lot of, um, you know, issues that we need to be uh, conscious of from a macro perspective. Uh, you know, the economy, uh, trade, you know, all of these things, are, are, you know, can have good or bad impact. Um, but as long as there are no major economic, uh, surprises, um, I, I really think that we're, we're, you know, we're, we're in a good market. It's looking very strong. Uh, 
I anticipate a very good quarter two. Um, and then, you know, probably, uh, you know, we'll see what happens after that. But I, 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 I anticipate that the, the quarter two this year is going to be very strong. Fabulous. Well, thank you both. I'm so grateful that you came on. I think that our Sherpa Network um, got a lot of insights from this. And um, I'm really excited to see what comes down, comes down the pipeline in Q2. Um, thank you, Drew. Thank you, Chris. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, Sherpa Network. See you next time.